What's up everyone, welcome to No Filter. I'm your host, Anna Kasparian, and I'm really looking forward to today's show. In the B Block, we will have special guest Michael Brooks of The Michael Brooks Show on to discuss how the media, the mainstream media in particular, is doing its best to divide progressives and voters who would either either vote for Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren. I mean, it's so obvious that we're gonna share some examples with you. I'm really looking forward to that discussion. But before we get to that, we're gonna discuss the grifters of today's society and how they're trying to rebrand themselves. Back in May, I received an offer to appear as a guest on Gavin McGinnis's new show. The offer was different from other interview requests for two reasons. First, it came from someone I have absolutely no respect for and would never want to be associated with. I'll explain why in just a minute. Second, he offered me $7,000 plus paid travel and accommodations to New York. I rejected the request as much as I could use the money and I could use the money. I'm way too savvy to help a despicable human being launder his image and reputation for promoting violence. So let me contextualize this. You've heard me talk about the lucrative nature of the right wing grift. Donald Trump's demagogic nature emboldened the worst elements of the right wing to unleash their worst characteristics for attention and profit seeking. Gavin McGinnis falls under this new wave of deplorable shock jocks. McGinnis started the so-called Proud Boys, where he publicly encouraged violence, spewed misogynistic rhetoric, and viciously attacked powerless and disenfranchised groups of people. Their rallying cry is what they call Western chauvinism. Their founder is Gavin McGinnis, known for what some call incendiary claims, like these from his rebel media show. Be dubious of Muslims. If you see something, say something. The data says that women have become less happy since feminism. Okay, and I blame them being ripped out of the kitchen. In the two years since the Proud Boys founding, fair or not, violence has seemed to follow in their wake. In Portland, Seattle, and just recently in New York, where after a speech McGinnis gave at the Metropolitan Republican Club, this violent confrontation broke out. The Southern Poverty Law Center labeled the Proud Boys as a hate group. And when comedy video editor Vic Berger put out compilations showing how often McGinnis incited physical violence, the group actually retaliated by sending members to Berger's home as an act of intimidation. According to the Huffington Post, a tipster sent Berger an internal document from within the Proud Boys' network, which called on all members to find Berger's personal information and threaten him. The message specifically read, quote, let's get the social media profiles, phone numbers, and addresses for their bosses, mothers, fathers, boyfriends, sisters, brothers, and get to work. Let's show them there are consequences. Soon a member of the group showed up to Berger's home. Berger told the Huffington Post that, quote, when I answered the door, he seemed nervous, like he wasn't expecting me. It was the middle of the day and my wife was home. He said, are you Vic? Your videos are hurting a lot of people. You're really hurting the Proud Boys. You need to stop making these videos. Berger yelled for his wife to call 911 and reported the guy. Eventually, McGinnis's brand became so toxic that he was fired from the right wing website, The Blaze, and the Proud Boys were deplatformed from social media sites. Let me just show you what that toxicity really looks like. If you're wearing a MAGA hat, 
As Sal is right now. Sal's in the studio, folks. Oh my God, it's Sal Cipolla. Where are you from? On here. Why? You came, came a long way. Wearing a MAGA hat, and some guy with a slightly punk demeanor comes up to you and says, Hey, are you Sal or are you pro Trump? Choke him. Trust your instincts. Don't listen to what he has to say. Choke him. If I do a video where I say, how about we start throwing bricks? Is that legal? I, you can't call for violence on a specific person, but can you say they're throwing bricks? We should throw bricks. Can you call for violence generally? Because I am. Fighting solves everything. We need more violence from the Trump people. Trump supporters choke. After McGinnis faced some consequences for his actions, he decided to announce his exit from the Proud Boys. As of today, November 21st, 2018, I'm officially disassociating myself from the Proud Boys. In all capacities, forever, I quit. I do all of this reluctantly because I see I still see it as the greatest fraternal organization in the world, but rumors and lies and terrible journalism has made its way to the court system. And the NYC9, the Proud Boys uh, arrested after I did a talk here in New York on October 12th, are facing serious charges. I'm told by my legal team and law enforcement that this gesture could help alleviate their sentencing. I've noticed that a lot of Trump era trash in digital media is doing its best to save whatever's left of their reputations. In other words, they're trying to clean up their images. One of the ways they seek to do that is by having legitimate people in media or politics go on their shows to launder their dirt stained past. I wasn't the only person on the left who was offered thousands of dollars to make a guest appearance on McGinnis's show. Here's Sam Cedar from the Majority Report discussing a similar offer he received. We were wondering if Sam would accept our invite to be on the show. The show is a panel discussion that will have a conservative and a liberal on every show to discuss the current events and politics for about an hour. We can pay for Sam's travel and stay, plus pay him $5,000 to be on the show. David Pakman, another progressive member of the media who I've had on this show recently, also received an offer. What's going on behind the scenes is that Gavin McInnes's program, I don't know where they get the money, but they are offering to pay guests to come on. Now, this is not typically done. We have never paid a guest. We've had, what, 1,500 interviews that I've done. We've had like two or three people ask for money. Uh, we've never paid. We just never pay for guests. Every time I appear on CNN, Fox News, I'm never paid for those appearances, okay? Uh, the Gavin McInnes program is apparently so desperate to get people to appear on this program that they reached out to me through my manager and offered, I'm not gonna say how much, but a lot of money for me to appear on the program. What made the offer to Pacman so incredible is that as he was considering appearing on the show, McGinnis called into his program pretending to be a liberal fan of Pacman's in an effort to persuade him that McGinnis is okay, that his show is great. I believe that I have caught extremist right winger and Proud Boy founder Gavin McGinnis calling into the show pretending to be someone else in order to promote his new program. A guy I despise came up on my YouTube the other day on a commercial, mm -hmm. Gavin McInnes on this new show, Free Speech. 
And I was trying to click out of it right away. And then all of a sudden I saw Dr. Cornell West and Mark Lamont Hill on the show. Yeah. And I actually checked it out and um, it's a cool show in regards to just liberals <laughs> uh, nailing uh, Gavin and it was so Luckily, Pacman realized what was going on and detailed McGinnis's intentions. What appears that happened is that knowing that there is a conversation taking place with my manager about will David Pacman appear with Gavin McGinnis, Gavin thought, hey, here's an idea. I'll call David as Jim and pretend to be a leftist who really wants to see David appear on Gavin McInnes's show. Ugh, it's so, so sad. But McGinnis isn't the only person on the far right who's trying to trick people into buying into their unearned redemption. Islamophobe conspiracy theorist Lauren Southern, who violently harassed and intimidated refugees by throwing flares at their boats, announced that she was going away for a while and disengaging from politics. In a blog post, she wrote, quote, I intend on returning to school and pursuing my academics again. In so doing, I doubt that this will be the last of me. Who knows? Maybe you'll read my name in papers, in journals, or as a byline in articles. The story of my political career may have more chapters one day, but they will not be in the same televised firebrand capacity you've seen before. Look, clowns like Lauren Southern and Gavin McInnes used to be able to go on shows like Dave Rubin's to legitimize and launder their hate. But that strategy eventually proved to fail as Rubin's little right-wing laundromat scheme was called out for what it is. Southern hopes to go away for a while and eventually make a return to public life as a new and improved member of independent media who might be more palatable to reasonable people who aren't fueled by their disdain for people of color. But here's the thing, we can't let that happen. We know who they are. And we know how they've profited off of exploiting racial and religious divisions. People like McGinnis and Southern saw dollar signs in pushing hate in the Trump era. And once they were met with a few consequences, they decided to change their strategy. Can people change? Of course, yes, they can change. But you have to ask yourself why someone claims to have changed in the first place. Is it because they genuinely reevaluated their views and came to a different conclusion? Or is it because rebranding their hateful reputation would help get them accepted back into a society that rejected them? There are so many people in independent media who continue to do the right thing, regardless of how much it might hurt them financially. Grifting is a great way to earn a lot of money, but it's short-term gain. Allowing these people to act as chameleons and never have to pay the consequences for their actions encourages more of this disgusting behavior. Look, Sam Cedar's a smart guy, he gets it. Desperately needs some lefties on his show to get back into the community in some way to get back into the YouTube, like to get back and be able to be seen as, as non-toxic. The zeitgeist. Into the zeitgeist, he just wants to be, he wants to get normalized. Exactly, Sam is 100% right. And anyone who gets an offer to appear on a show like McGinnis's for thousands of dollars should ask themselves why he's willing to pay such a premium. And by the way, where does he get that money from? We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to No Filter. Joining me now is Michael Brooks of The Michael Brooks Show, also known as TMBS, and also a good friend of TYT and my friend. <laughs> so what's up, Michael, how are you? Hey, Anna, it's always great to talk to you. I gotta admit, uh, the clip that we're about to play infuriated me this morning, but it's it's really a good way of starting this discussion. So let me just give the audience a little bit of context before we go to this clip. There has been this mainstream media effort, and they've been working overtime to divide Bernie Sanders and <coughs> Elizabeth Warren. And what they do is they make it appear as though they're the same when it comes to policy, but one candidate is much more palatable than the other. Now, we know that both points are untrue, and we're gonna get into that after we play this clip. And just to give you guys context into what this clip is, it's from MSNBC over the weekend, where a former US assistant attorney, Mimi Roca, tries to make a point about why she dislikes Bernie Sanders. Take a look. For me, as you know, again, I'm not the political analyst here, but just as a woman, probably considered a somewhat moderate Democrat, I, Bernie Sanders makes my skin crawl. And I can't even identify for you what exactly it is, but I, I see him as sort of a, a not pro woman candidate. Wow. Great analysis there. So she doesn't even know what it is. She just knows that he makes her skin crawl. And prior to that comment, this panel, which consisted of three people and the host, just it was a Bernie bash fest. There wasn't a single person on that panel that supported him, which I thought was fascinating because they're not even trying to do this false equivalency thing anymore. They're just outright bashing him. Oh yeah, I mean, look, they hate Bernie Sanders and they have a total bias against Bernie Sanders, which is embarrassing. I mean, I you know, I I am someone obviously like I am purely in the opinion business. I'm a socialist, right? I Never. I mean, I'm sure some people can already hear certain fans of certain candidates whining and complaining, but I would never do a segment that was analogous to that. I couldn't tell you why. And I think that the, you know, it's just something that makes my skin crawl. But the thing that's really amazing about it and really important is it's not just the disdain for Bernie Sanders, which is stunning and a double standard that you would never see for any other candidate. It's the disdain for what he represents and the tens of millions of people that he's speaking to and representing like no other candidate. That's a disdain that says, I don't understand why there's people who are really out here struggling need a candidate to actually deliver for them. Because for me, you know, politics is all just a TV segment. It's all just make believe and, you know, uh, hanging out with a very narrow set of people and gossiping about personality preferences. It's disgusting. So we've seen great policy come from both candidates. Uh, now, you and I are pretty honest about what our preferences are in terms of uh, which candidate appeals to us the most. I, I, I really liked. Elizabeth Warren's proposal when it came to student loan debt. And then Bernie Sanders came forward with something even better. And I've been very honest about that. When, for, when foreign policy comes into play, there are some significant differences between the two. But the conversation doesn't really have anything to do with that when you hear it happening on the mainstream media. The conversation really is between socialism and capitalism. And I want you to get into that a little bit because, of course, Bernie Sanders has no problem calling himself a democratic socialist, whereas Elizabeth Warren is a little different. Yeah, I mean, I think they really do have different politics and a different worldview. And I absolutely, you know, support Bernie Sanders for a variety of those reasons. I think he is 
making a more structural case. And I think he's making something that is much more simple and deliverable in a way. And I think you see that actually in the student loan uh, cancellation proposals. Like his is just, let's just get rid of it. Let's do it, not create a new means test. But I think with regards, and those are really important conversations, obviously, particularly also when you get to the foreign and military policy, which I don't think we can separate from domestic policy. It's an interdependent process. But on the media, in a way, and I say this as obviously a very strong Sanders supporter and someone who does have some critiques of certain parts of Elizabeth Warren's policies, they're disrespecting her as well Mm -hmm. because they're not talking about what she's putting forward. They're simply using her as a foil against somebody that they have weird psychological issues with and class aversion to. And so that is actually dangerous for her in the long term. Say she did sort of break ahead of Sanders in that scenario, that would be terrible as far as I'm concerned. But say that happens. All of these people that are gassing her right now, just because they have this weird fixation with, with, you know, against Bernie uh, in the media, I don't know how resilient that support would be. I mean, for some of them, maybe, but for a lot of them, probably not, because at the end of the day, as that woman in that clip herself said, you know, she's a quote unquote moderate Democrat, which we all know what that means. She's, you know, highly pro corporate, I would assume. You know, during the Obama administration, uh, he had nominated uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren to be part of his cabinet, and the Republicans refused to confirm her nomination. I bring that up because the the same concerns that those Republicans had about Senator Warren reigning in, and at that point, by the way, she wasn't a senator. She decided to run as senator after Republicans pulled that stunt. But the reason why they didn't even consider her was because they did not like where she was coming from when it came to economic policies. Now, the same concerns that Republicans had there, I would argue, are the same concerns that you're seeing from these members of the mainstream media. So I think you're absolutely right in that they're so concerned with maintaining the power structure that we have in America today, the same power structure that puts people like us and average Americans at a disadvantage, that they absolutely would turn on her as soon as Bernie Sanders is out of the race. Right now, they're using this as a tool to divide the progressive vote, and I think it's abundantly clear. Sorry, that wasn't a question, it was more of a comment, (laughs) but I I wanna get your thoughts on that. I'm the sultan of uh, comments as questions, so I feel (laughs) you. But I think that, yeah, you're totally right about that. The question though that I do have that's a little bit more critical though is to Warren, right? I think the Warren campaign right now is making a calculation that they benefit from that dynamic. Yes. And I think that's leading people to question, you know, when the story, in the beginning of the campaign, the stories were Wall Street says, Nobody besides Sanders or Warren. Now those stories are changing. And I agree with you that those things could flip because obviously, as compared to the other candidates, she has a much more serious record about Wall Street. But I do think that what Bernie represents is not only more radical policy, which it is, but I think it's also somebody who doesn't kowtow to these people. It is, it's like, look, I don't think you're necessarily smart. I don't think that you should have the power that you hold. I don't care where you went to school. I don't care how clever you are. And I don't think it's just as simple as dealing with corruption. We've got to deal with a bigger picture uh, structure and problems. And that's why Bernie you know, has been willing, I think also in some ways to me, it's not just that foreign policy matters a lot in of itself. It's another real yardstick of how courageous somebody's gonna be, right? Like yep. if you're willing to go against foreign policy consensus, 
on any number of issues, whether it's calling for freeing Dullah, whether it's talking about the Middle East in a really smart, clear way, which isn't even particularly radical, it's just commonsensical, right? But is against the kind of standard talking points of a group like APAC or something like that, that shows a serious orientation. And I think these people smell that mm-hmm. and they that's why they loathe and hate him so much. And I think that that, really is a dividing line. And we're gonna have to start asking like Senator Warren, I think, you know, are you part of a kind of structural argument or are you trying to kind of be like the the progressive that Mira Tandon can be cool with as a way to like not have the whole thing really be broken and recreated, which I think we need. Yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, I wanna ask one other question about a story that's related and it was making its rounds last Friday. So I first saw it in the Washington Post, this whole notion that Bernie Sanders is a hypocrite because he's underpaying his campaign workers. Now, if you do a deep dive in the story and actually investigate it yourself, he has a unionized campaign. He pays a living wage of $15 an hour. And the real argument was that people were working longer hours. So if you divvy up that wage with the longer hours, they're actually getting paid less. But what's the real story in terms of the climate within the campaign because it's being spun as if these campaign workers are really angry with Bernie Sanders and they really think he's a hypocrite, but that's not the case. Yeah, I mean, as far as my understanding from people that I, you know, I, I do know some people in the campaign, there's a huge amount of cohesion and sense of shared purpose. And most of the kind of feedback that came out of that leaked story was why would somebody do this when we were making progress? and our negotiations, right? And I do think bigger picture, and it's not to say, I mean, look, everybody is, you can critique anybody, whatever, good luck in people, for anybody negotiating a better contract for themselves, right? But the notion that the media, which has systemically underplayed labor stories, period, including like the the structural change of labor in this country, uh, that have put so many people in such a worse position, all of a sudden is kind of fixated on this sort of little point settling about Bernie, again, it's just so transparent and embarrassing. And we also have reporting, frankly, showing that you know there's much more serious, uh, you know, sort of campaign compensation questions in Pete Buttigieg's campaign and mm-hmm. Joe Biden's campaign and Elizabeth Warren's campaign. And so it just becomes like they will stop at nothing, and it's transparent and embarrassing. I I think people need to just be really clear about that. It is pretty incredible because they don't attack those other campaigns, I think for two reasons. First of all, they like those establishment candidates, but also you're right in that they've never really been concerned about unfair wages. They're much more concerned with trying to spin something as hypocritical within Bernie's campaign. Now, final question for you is about the best way to move forward as a progressive voter. Because I've struggled with this a little bit. I don't wanna go out of my way to unfairly, well, no one should go out of their way to unfairly critique or criticize any candidate. But I don't wanna play into this mainstream media narrative of dividing progressive voters. So what's the best way to move forward so you're not you know, going after a particular candidate or attacking them and, and destroying their chances? I mean, to me, like I think that it's we have to be somewhat comfortable, and I think that also people on the flip side also need to realize that 
there are different phases of a process, right? Mm -hmm. So right now, I think in a primary, it's really okay to sharpen and highlight the actual differences. And I think one of the, you know, the difference between Sanders and Warren is that those differences are legitimate and philosophical and important. And, you know, there's a credibility to both sides, even as we strongly advocate. And then obviously, I think a lot of other candidates in this field, you can just really simply say, like, there's a reason that Cory Booker voted against drug imports from Canada, right? Like there's a reason why so many of these candidates are totally on board uh, for any type of corporate special interest uh, agenda imaginable, let alone, of course, Joe Biden's just embarrassing history on every number of policy issues, but I particularly okay. focus on bankruptcy uh, and trade with him. But I think it's, I think that people also need to realize that sharpening these differences and having clear critiques uh, especially if they're done in a personally respectful way is really also on the flip side. That's not the end of the world, right? Like, like people don't need to personalize it so much. We can have a critique, we can have an argument and, you know, move it forward. All right, Michael Brooks from The Michael Brooks Show, TMBS. Please check him out on Patreon. Michael, thanks so much for talking with us about this topic. It's always a pleasure, Anna. Thank you. See you soon. All right, everyone, we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to No Filter. I hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you did, please take the time to leave us a five star rating wherever you get your podcast. That does help to get the show featured. And the more people who listen to it, the better. Uh, there's a lot of research and hard work that goes into this show, and that reward would mean the world to us. Also, you can check us out on social media on Twitter and Facebook at No Filter TYT. Thanks so much for watching, and remember, Never be afraid to speak your truth with no filter.